I know. Well, last week was an epic hot mess. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Onward, a podcast of the Pike School Advancement Office. I'm Rod. And I'm Elizabeth. And we're so glad you're here. Welcome to our second episode of the second season of the second best podcast ever made. I'll second that. Me too, because we have a fantastic show for you today. We do. The spotlight is definitely on teachers. Yes, teachers and the great work they're doing to support their peers in schools and classrooms all across the country. Can't wait to get started. Hey, Elizabeth, how are you? I'm great, Rod, and I'm totally excited for today's episode. Me too. We have some really great conversations with Pike teachers to share with our listeners today. Yes, all around this idea of giving back to their community. You know, we're all part of a lot of different communities. That's right. Where we live, where we work. And in the case of this episode, within our network of colleagues. So true. You know, we just got back from a conference for independent school fundraisers ourselves. We did. It was so powerful to hear from our colleagues at peer schools as they talked about their successes, their big ideas, what worked and what didn't, responses and thinking around emerging trends. Yeah, I know that we came back uh, with lots of ideas for supporting philanthropy at Pike. We did. And we also did my favorite thing. We had a chance to present ourselves. Yeah, uh, to a packed house. It was extremely daunting for those of us who are introverts, but very rewarding as well. (laughs) Well, I agree on the rewarding part, but as the not introvert, I loved it. It was also really gratifying to see how many of our fellow fundraisers were there to hear from us and and explore possibilities with us. So true. And, And that made us curious about how Pike teachers are doing the exact same thing sharing their expertise and their experience with others to advance learning and the practice of teaching. And I have to say, Pike teachers are doing a lot of this. Exactly. Not only do our faculty and staff give so much of themselves to Pike and Pike students, it turns out they're also regularly out there in the world, giving their time and expertise to peers across the country. Yes. And because of that, Pike is a leader among other independent schools in this way. Viva la Pike. Okay, Elizabeth, what's first? Well, let's start with your conversation with Colleen Shannon. Yeah, so she's one of our amazing Pike PE teachers, and she's an avid adventurer. She is, and she's been able to incorporate that sense of adventure into her classes, particularly around this idea of adventure learning. Adventure learning is a very specific approach to teaching, one that builds student agency, teamwork, meaningful risk-taking, making of mistakes, and experiential learning. It's a really powerful paradigm. It is, and she's become quite an expert in the field. She has, and she's been sharing that experience with other PE teachers across the country during her summers and even over spring break. Let's learn some more. Yes.
My name is Colleen Shannon. I am one of the phys ed teachers at Pike, and this is my third year here at Pike. Great. Um, well, thank you for joining us to talk a little bit about um, something I know is near and dear to your heart, and, and that's this idea of adventure education, right? Um, and I know you've been engaged with it um, for quite some time now. And actually, maybe I should stop and ask you to describe what it is first. How does that sound? Yeah, um, that's, that's a great question. Um, so adventure education, um, also, also sometimes called experiential learning, um, is learning through, learning through adventure. So it's about taking risk, uh, taking risks, learning from your mistakes, um, stepping outside your comfort zone um, in a variety of different ways. And I think a lot of people picture adventure education as um, always being on a ropes course. And it's not, it can happen in a lot of different ways. And Pike, we are very fortunate to have a challenge course here on campus, which we get to use with our classes. Um, but there's a lot more to adventure education. So how did you, if you could just describe briefly how you first got involved in, in this kind of activity and learning. Yeah. Um, so I've always had a great love for the outdoors, um, and adventure and, um, I would say activities that encourage risk taking, um, like rock climbing. Um, I grew up camping and whitewater rafting and canoeing and um, just a lot of outdoorsy stuff. Um, I had a little bit of exposure to more formal adventure education in college when I was studying to be a PE teacher at Penn State. Yeah. Um, at my first teaching job, um, I was at Methuen High School before I came to Pike. Um, in my second year there, I took over some project challenge classes. Um, we had like an elective style class called project challenge. Um, and Methuen has an indoor challenge course, um, in their field house. So I went through kind of a basic training on how to run the course safely with students. And I was handed a curriculum book. <laughs> um, so I did a lot of reading, um, and I soon found a passion for teaching adventure ed and experiential learning and ended up doing a master's program in adventure education at Plymouth State. Um, and my master's program had a partnership with Project Adventure in Beverly. So I was able to do a lot of my adventure workshops at Project Adventure and then receive credits for them. You're actually doing um, training for other PE teachers um, using this, this sort of Project Adventure model, I guess I'll call it. Um, I'm just curious, like, what, what does that look like for you? They... Um, kind of approached me and said like, hey, like we, we have a, a bit of a gap in our training program or in our trainers. They have so many like fantastic trainers who are so experienced and so knowledgeable, but none of them had classroom or phys ed teaching experience. Hmm. Um, and they saw that gap and they saw an opportunity and I was happy to hop on board um, and work with them to fill that gap. So now Project Venture has a few different PE teachers that facilitate trainings. Um, we do open enrollment workshops. And last summer I actually got to go out to California and work with a couple other trainers. And we worked with a group of 18 PE teachers out in California. Um, I'm curious. So um, obviously you don't have to spend your summer teaching uh, other teachers, um, but I'm curious um, why, why you do that? Why, why do you give your time to educating other teachers? Um, and, and kind of what, what are your hopes in doing that, um, for yourself, but also I think for your fellow PE teachers? 
Yeah, I mean, I think um, I'm a teacher at heart. I love to teach and it doesn't end with students. Um, so I really enjoy sharing my knowledge and experiences with a group of people who are just as passionate about their students and learning and growing um, as I am. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I over spring break might be going back out to California and spending my time working with those teachers instead of maybe taking the break for myself that I might need. Um, but it's so inspiring um, to watch, you know, spend two or three days with a group of like-minded professionals um, and processing and debriefing and adapting and learning. Um, you know, it's just a, I learn as much from them as, well, I learn a lot and I'm hoping that they're learning as much from me, but like as the facilitator, it's just really fascinating to see the process that I work really hard to get with students, but also watch it happen with adults at sometimes a much deeper, um, you know, a deeper level because they're professionals in their field. And, and so this is something you've um, been able to um, I think, continue um, in terms of Pike students and their ability to um, engage with this project adventure model. Um, so for, for Pike students, what are some of the goals uh, of that program? So students at Pike uh, start participating in the adventure units in sixth grade. Um, sixth graders do a lot of team building and problem solving activities. We learn how to safely spot and assist on the challenge course, low elements. So we don't actually climb in sixth grade. Mm. Um, most of our activities are, you know, games and whatnot on the ground, as well as on our low elements. Um, and many of our activities are really me facilitating some sort of a challenge, a problem, a task, something that they have to figure out, either um, as a pair, as a small group, or as a class. Um, and many of the activities that I give them are solved by either taking risks or making mistakes. In seventh grade, students learn to tie climbing knots. Um, they also learn how to run a team belay. Um, and we practice all these things while climbing the tower. Um, and then in eighth grade, they expand on those skills. And then we use the high element course in our woods um, and climbing. I think really builds that trust and allows students to take whatever risk they're ready to take. And it requires a ton of awareness, which I think is really the biggest skill here. Um, being aware of one, the safety protocols and the rules, but also being aware of your belay team, being aware of your climber, being aware of your positioning. Um, you know, there's a lot going on and there's a lot of systems in place to keep people safe, but it takes awareness to run it. Um, and um, yeah, so I think that's another really important thing that they get to practice is their social awareness, um, their self-awareness. Um, David Kolb has the experiential learning cycle, um, which is four different phases, which is like your concrete experience, your reflective observation, generalizations from it, and then transfer to new situations. Mm -hmm. We simplify it by saying, you have your experience, what happened, so what, now what, right? Mm -hmm. So my hope is that they can take the experiences that they have in class, they can say like, so what does this mean? Now, what do I do with it? And then how can they take this and apply them in school, on their sports teams, at home and with their friends? Um, how are they going to apply it in the rest of their life? Yeah, I mean, that, that's really powerful, especially when you couple that with the idea of choice that you were talking about 
I'm curious what you see as the connections between these experiences that Pike students have and this idea of non-Sydney Solom. You see it a lot. Um, I think I notice it most in with the climbing um, and also with the lower elements, like they become aware of their classmates and their needs, right? Mm -hmm. Every student has, again, you know, level of comfort. Um, and you really notice a shift in the atmosphere when a student is stepping outside their comfort zone. Um, and the students are old enough to kind of acknowledge that their classmate is uncomfortable. And, you know, they rise to the occasion, like, the class steps up and supports that student. And it's a beautiful thing to watch um, a group of young people kind of come together and help someone work through a challenge. I love the idea that you, that you as the, the teacher can create these, um, I guess, parameters, right? In which our students can explore this um, these challenges and um, learn and grow together in ways that are really um, have resonance across so many areas of their lives. And I'll say the one benefit here too is um, a lot of the, like when I work at Project Adventure um, during the summers, typically I get a group for a day. So mm -hmm. I have them, you know, from like nine to three and you um, build these connections with them and then they leave at the end of the day. Um, and there's something really, again, like powerful and um, about being able to work with a group of students over the course of a semester. Um, you can see it gives time for students who might be a little bit nervous to grow and feel comfortable, which they might not find in a day in a one day program. Um, and I mean, these students spend all day together because um, I see them in their groups that they go to a lot of their classes together. Um, and so they have this really deep connection. Um, and sometimes that is a really positive thing. And sometimes that can be a really challenging thing. Sure. Um, so I think it creates an interesting social dynamic um, as well, because they, they do know each other so well. I can imagine, right? And then... Um... The ways in which they think about their peers either get um, confirmed or disconfirmed, right? In the in the act of taking on these challenges. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Why do you think it's important for Pike upper school students um, to engage in this kind of physical ed education that you've been talking about? Um, I think it's important because it's it's different. Um, not only are they learning some you know, hard skills of how to spot, how to blade, how to climb, how to tie knots, how to use a harness. Um, they're also developing their social emotional learning competencies. They're actively practicing social awareness, self-awareness, um, responsible decision-making, their self-management and their relationship skills. Uh, my program, my curriculum is programmed to facilitate safe risk-taking and give students many opportunities to challenge themselves both physically, mentally, emotionally, and socially. Um, I mean, for some students, just getting up in front of their class and kind of being the spotlight when they're climbing, like that might be the scary part versus mm -hmm. the actual climbing. Um, and all these skills, um, students just need time to practice them. You know, every skill that you learn, practice, like structured practice, um, is super important important so that you can have that transference of the skill, right? If you don't practice it in a controlled way first, 
how are you going to transfer it into your life? Um, and so giving them that opportunity to practice taking risk, practice pushing themselves outside their comfort zone so that they can learn to be resilient, so that they can learn to trust themselves, so they can learn to trust their own abilities as well as their cosmic abilities. You know, Elizabeth, I really enjoyed my conversation with Colleen. She brings so many big ideas and data-backed approaches to her work as a PE teacher, and I really learned a lot. And I'm sure that the teachers she trains have learned a lot, too. Yeah, it was really fascinating. I especially love the idea of each child being able to choose the level of risk that was right for them in that moment on that day. And the ways they learn to support and encourage each other through those challenges. What was really powerful as well was that the lessons learned on the adventure course really directly relate back to our students' experiences in the classroom, in the playground with their peers, and even at home. Colleen's approach is, uh, I think, a great example of how Pike teachers uh, build their experiences and lessons to tap into deeper learning. Yeah, and our teachers are doing a lot of that every day. And as we're learning, they're happy to share that knowledge with others. Indeed they are. But you know, Elizabeth, all this talk of P.E. is making me pretty hungry. Me too. Let's go get a snack. Listeners, we'll be right back. Oh, all right. Craving satisfied. I feel so much better. Indeed. That tray of sushi hit the spot. <laughs> you ate the whole tray, Rod? Um, we were gone for like a minute, dude. Fast eater. What can I say? <laughs> I'd say that sounds rather fishy. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> um, let's go before one of us makes another dad joke, please. Uh, yeah, let's. This is the part where we tell our listeners that if they enjoyed their conversation with Colleen, they can hear much more of it. That's right. Just like happened when we spoke to Jess Howie in our first episode, there was so much good material that we just couldn't ignore it. Exactly. So we actually added a bonus recording to our website where you can hear more. And if you visit our website, pikeschool.org slash onward, you can hear excerpts from Colleen's conversation. And while you're there, look for the invest now button and make your Pike Fund gift today. That's right. Because when you make a gift to the Pike Fund, you are supporting exactly this kind of work that our amazing teachers are doing. And that's awesome. It is. When you give to the Pike Fund, your gift creates opportunities for our faculty to learn, grow, and share, all in the service of Pike students and the power of learning at Pike. It's a pretty great thing to do, Elizabeth, and an amazing example of non-Sibby Solom at work, I'd say. So if you, dear listener, want to grow possibility for our teachers and students at Pike, consider a gift to the Pike Fund. <laughs> I like that, dear listener. Yes, and dear listener, you don't have to wait. You can give right now. It's really quick. It is really quick. In fact, it's so quick, we're going to wait for you to do it right now. Cue the giving music, Rod.
told you making a gift at pikeschool.org slash my gift was quick. Okay. What's next, Elizabeth? We are going to um, listen to the conversation you had with Jenny Kravitz, Director of Equity and Justice here at Pike. Yes, yeah, she's a relatively new member of the Pike community, just approaching her one-year anniversary, and she's a hoot. She's so fun to talk to and has such great perspectives on the importance of having a DEIJ lens in schools and how that relates to our theme of non solum. Absolutely. And she's a really great exemplar of our motto in action. In her short time at Pike, she's already become a great ally for the people in our school who are doing this work and also at other independent schools across the Northeast and across the country. She's all that and more. And that really came through in my conversation with her. Let's listen. And I'll actually start by uh, Jenny asking you to introduce yourself to our listeners. Sure. Um, so my name is Jenny Junley Kravitz, and I am the Director of Equity and Justice here at Pike. Awesome. Um, so I know you've been engaged in DEIJ work for a long time, um, but you're relatively new to Pike and also, I think, to independent schools. And so one of the things that really has struck me is how quickly you've made connections with other diversity leaders in the independent school community. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about some of those resources you've discovered and and kind of what they bring to your work. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think that independent schools um, are a offer a unique opportunity to really engage in collaborative work. Um, I spent nearly 20 years in public education before coming into independent schools. And public education is much more siloed uh, because there is so much local um, control between districts. There really isn't a lot of collaboration. And one thing that I found really remarkable and took to immediately (laughs) is the really robust networking and support opportunities both in NAIS, which is our National Association of Independent Schools, and and ASNI, which is um, Association of Independent Schools in New England. Um, And so each of these have their own um, groups for DEI practitioners, where people come together um, and, you know, I've connected, especially with people who are nearby, um, you know, to talk about things that are unique to New England um, and some of the same challenges we face, particularly operating within the same kind of cultural context, societal context. Um, And what I have found is that oftentimes Um, We're in a stage right now of independent schools embracing DEIJ um, wholeheartedly, and there are often just a few individuals specifically um, employed for that work at each school. So for us to be able to come together as a group and um, workshop different challenges, share different resources, um, is really a, a wonderful opportunity that enriches I think everyone involved. And I would imagine that sense of like, you're, you're not alone, right? You, you, yeah. you, Pike is not alone. Jenny Kravitz is not alone, right? There's this network of people who, will, who, who have ideas and, and are willing to share and, and embrace um, the challenges, I think. 
Yes. Yeah. And so much of that can be um, a level of support that can really fuel you because I know one of my greatest mentors in this area um, has this saying, think globally and act locally. Um, because oftentimes when you engage in DEIJ work, you feel like I'm just one person in this huge world full of big, big challenges. Um, and so when you focus on this, this idea of what are the global challenges and what is my piece of that? And then, so you work diligently at that and then you come together across ASNI, across NAIS and you see how those pieces come together. You realize that you are part of something that's really big and really exciting. Um, and the collective um, impact is really astounding. Um, and something that we all kind of celebrate in together. That's fantastic. I love that. That's a great answer. Um, I'm curious. So I know you you sort of referenced some of the informal ways that you've been able to get involved. And I'm, but I also know that you've you've had some formal um, opportunities to give your time and expertise um, to your fellow diversity practitioners. Um, I think within the ASNI. And I'm just wondering if you could talk a little bit about about those experiences and what you've done. Yeah, definitely. So this past fall, uh, I was invited to facilitate a workshop at the ASNI DEI conference. Um, so not specifically for DEI practitioners, just the general ASNI conference around DEI. Um, so there are educators there, board members, administrators, um, all sorts of community members across independent schools in the ASNI network kind of come together. And I um, was invited to offer a workshop. I, my topic that I discussed is um, something that I know we've talked about a lot here um, at Pike as well. And so some ways I was, I was presenting Pike as a, as a successful case study, which is always exciting to kind of get Pike out there in the ASNI community as a, as a forerunner in this. Um, but we talked about how to embrace um, communication with your wider community around some of the concerns or wonderings uh, when it comes to how DEIJ is showing up in schools. So for example, this was coming right after a, a big summer of um, questions and wonderings around CRT, the critical race theory in schools, um, and something that people heard a lot about in the news and didn't fully understand what that had to do with schools. Um, and so at the beginning of the school year, you know, I had many conversations um, with different people in and around Pike, um, so internally and also externally with our families. Um, and there are there are some best practices um, in terms of community engagement and open and authentic communication that um, I was able to utilize very successfully. And so this is something that obviously was not unique to Pike. There were people all over having these conversations and not unique to DEIJ practitioners also, that you have um, administrators in schools, you have board members. Um, and so I had actually already trained our board and our admin team on these practices. And then I, so I brought that 
as a successful case study example for the ASNI community. And it was really well received. Um, people uh, found the information to be really helpful, were really encouraged by what Pike is doing around um, kind of that communication methodology. And um, what ended up happening is the, the people around ASNI who participated in that, um, they thought it was so great that they invited me to then subsequently do the same workshop specifically for a gathering of DEIJ practitioners around the ASNI yeah. work. And so I did that as well. And again, it was a great way um, to uh, really establish how committed and um, aspirational Pike is around this work and start to really share across ASNI how we hope to be leading the way um, with our uh, approach and work in DEIJ. So why is it so important for you personally to engage with these kinds of opportunities? So something that I think is really central to um, DEIJ work that is um, impactful and sustainable is that it is done in community. Um, this isn't ever something that one person just does, um, right? And so part of what is so important when we think about identity, when we think about equity, when we think about justice, um, you know, ensuring that equity is, is there for everyone, um, there's this idea, and it, it's something that shows up in many different cultures as well, in that the well-being of any one individual is intertwined with the well-being of everyone else, right? And so um, the, the actual work in DEIJ exists in those connections. It doesn't exist um, solely in any one person. Um, and so it's really um, important I think for me to engage in all these different communities, because just as individuals are intertwined, communities themselves are intertwined. And so Pike does not exist in a vacuum. Pike exists intertwined with other independent schools and also intertwined in our community. Um, recently, the town of Andover hired a brand new role, a DEI um, coordinator or director. Um, and I spoke with him recently about how educational communities and their surrounding communities are intertwined and um, how for us at Pike, um, non sibi solum is something we live, you know, not for ourselves alone, but also as an organization, not just for Pike alone. And so how do we connect that service, um, that motto, this whole mentality to our wider communities, whether that's Andover or ASNI or NAIS, um, where do we ensure that we are in communication um, with others and attending to those connections? Because again, that's where the work is. It's in those connections because our well-being um, and success is deeply intertwined. That's really beautifully said. And, and I think um, can sometimes get lost, right? In, in, the, uh, in the difficult nature of the work, it, it can be often um, individualized, but um, the connection piece is so important. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm very glad you mentioned non be Solum, our motto, as you know, um, we're really focusing on that in these podcasts. I, I'm, sort, I'm sort of curious what connections you see between this idea of non be Solum 
I think particularly at Pike, but more generally in the world, and this work that you're doing on equity and inclusion, and that and that we're all doing, that Pike is doing um, to really make sure that we are a place that is um, equitable and inclusive. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think the idea of non sibi solum is attending to, or I should say tending to the um, connections that we have with one another. Um, in, in some ways, I think non sibi solum can operate on an individual level where we look at ourselves in our day-to-day -day practice and how we can help others in a very um, tangible way, that immediate, non sibi solum. And I think also this idea of not for oneself alone is to think about uh, all of those connections and all of those impacts. Um, and so understanding the, the systems and the communities we function within, how can we make that a community of care for everyone? And so that idea of um, always kind of asking yourself, when you're involved in any decision-making, when you're involved in any process or activity, who is um, who doesn't have a voice right now? Who isn't being considered right now? Who is this not working for right now? And I think that is one really important idea of non-sibi solum is, is thinking about the needs of others, both in that moment, but in general, how does this community care for others, um, you know, and that, and we can define community as like these concentric circles as well um, in terms of non sibi solum pushing us to a larger circle. So it's not just me, it's my class. It's not just my class, it's my division. It's not just my division, it's my whole school. It's not just my school, it's this whole town of Andover, or it's it's multiple independent spaces, or it's not just this moment in time. It's mm. also temporal, thinking about non-sibi solum and how I consider all those that I will impact um, in my life. And I think as educators, we think about this a lot, right? Because we always think about, um, we are educating kids, not for the world that exists, but the world that will exist once they leave us, right? And so I, I think really deeply about this idea of lifelong learners and global citizens and an idea of families becoming part of a Pike community and facilitating and supporting um, non sibi solum and how we all function. So finding how we can live that as a full community, our students, our teachers, our families, our board members, and that this is something we commit to as a community. And so how are we um, providing the support and the opportunities to consider non sibi solum for our alumni, for when when they when they continue their life journey, yeah. how is the idea of lifelong learning one where we can push past a temporal barrier to continue to center equity and justice in their lives? through all these different phases and what an amazing and robust community that can be. This is one of the things I love so much about Pike. And, and I use 
all the time. (laughs) It has really redefined for me what a motto is, because I I think before I came to Pike, a motto was just kind of like a slogan. And and once I came to Pike, I realized a motto is something you live. A motto is an ethos that um, is present ubiquitously across everything you do. Um, Pike was the first place that really showed me that. And that is something that I think is phenomenal and a huge strength to be leveraged in all this work. Yeah, because there's um, something I, I really love that I saw. I think I saw this on social media is that whole idea of the butterfly butterfly mm-hmm. effect. So yeah. you have all these movies where people go back in time and they do one little thing and it drastically changes the future. And, and that's always posed as a sci-fi going back in the future. And the, the idea that is posed is what we don't realize is we are living those moments every single day. And so the, the things that feel little right now have the potential to drastically um, affect the path that we're going down. And so what, to me, it, it's so exciting to think about um, what are the um, habits of mind? What are the um, competencies, the understandings, um, the real deeply knowing and feeling non sibi solum? All of those things that we do in our community today, how is that like the butterfly effect going to make hugely impactful things as these young people go out and create that world that does not yet exist. Rod, that was a really powerful interview. Yeah, I'd say so. Jenny has such great perspectives to share about her work and how it intersects with this notion of not for oneself alone. I agree. And I love her phrase, community of care, and how it needs to be part of our thinking whenever we're making decisions and reflecting on our practices here at school. It reminded me of a phrase that ran through the first season of this podcast. Uh, I think it was a quote from Caroline Blackwell, who saw in strong communities a sense that you belong here and here belongs to you. Well, I remember Ashley underscoring that so beautifully in our conversation with her last season as an aspiration for Pike. Wow, I love it. And just as was the case with our interview with Colleen, there was a lot of interview with Jenny that we just weren't able to play in this episode, Elizabeth. That's right. So you, dear listeners, can find the additional part of this conversation on our website, pikeschool.org slash onward. Indeed, there's some really great stuff at pikeschool.org slash onward, including all the episodes from season one. So you won't want to miss it. So we should probably repeat that address one more time, Rod. Yes, pikeschool.org slash onward. And with that, that's a wrap on this episode. It is indeed. It's so sad. Excuse me, I'm tearing up. (laughs) There's no need to cry, Rod. After all, we have another episode coming up soon. Woohoo! That's right. Episode three, in which we sit down with some of our alums to talk about the ways they are making a difference in the world. I am so excited for this episode. It's all about the role that Pike has had in shaping our alums' passion for non civi solum. It's going to be awesome. Indeed it is. Stay tuned, everyone. (laughs) 